0: Golden Knights are two and O. Oh. Is this sign of domination a thing to come, or is it an aberration? We'll revisit Nick Hague's debut and his role for the foreseeable future, and we'll look ahead to Tuesday's matchup with the Boston Bruins at T-Mobile Arena. Locked on Golden Knights coming your way right now. everybody we are back locked on golden knights part of the locked on podcast network welcome back i am danny webster your host vegas correspondent for nhl.com site manager for sp nations knights on ice and it's that time again where we need to do a shameless plug to make sure you're following us uh on apple Podcasts, spotify google stitcher all all that jazz if you are uh not subscribed yet, please do so. It helps out the pod tremendously. Uh, once again, if you could uh, leave us a review, leave us a comment, uh, any feedback, good, bad, and different is always welcome here. And we definitely appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about the Golden Knights. So thanks again. And uh, we hope that uh, your support beyond our first week goes well into the future. Uh, so we need to talk about last night because that that was a dominant performance, it really two back to back dominant performances by the Vegas Golden Knights. A five one victory over the San Jose Sharks. Vegas sweeps the home at home. They outscore San Jose by a combined nine to two. Nine to two. After five months of having to deal with the questions of what would happen if and how do you feel about playing the Sharks and how do you feel about having to face them four times in two weeks, including two games in the preseason, all of that ends with Vegas putting its foot on the throat of the Sharks. 5-1 on Friday at SAP Center. It got so bad That the San Jose fans were booing the Sharks off the ice after the second period. It was quite an an outstanding performance by Vegas, especially with all of the emotion after uh, Wednesday, the season opener, the home opener. And the big question was, how would Vegas respond? Didn't take long. William Carrier scored at 5-0-1 of the first period for the game's first goal. Jonathan Marchessault responded about nine minutes later at 1409 off a deflection of a Shea Theodore shot from the slot and Vegas went into the intermission up two. And then once again, as has been the theme for the last few days and ha- and as was the theme for this home and home, the Golden Knights penalty kill is officially the greatest unit ever assembled in the history of athletics because now... I, I really don't understand what makes a penalty kill this dominant. Your penalty kill should not be more dominant than your power play. But yet here we are in the second period at 15:22. Braden McNabb with the shorthanded goal off the cross-eyes feed from William Carlson. And McNabb roofs it over Martin Jones' short side and scores at fifteen twenty two the second shorthanded goal in as many nights for the golden Knights to give Vegas a three nothing lead that notwithstanding however, one twenty eight later, Tomas Nosek literally as a Vegas penalty expired. Tomas Nosek on the re off, on the rebound after Brandon Peary literally shot out of the penalty box like a cannon got to the puck, was walking in on Jones, shoots it, hits the post. The puck bounces off Nosek's chest, lands at his feet, tips it in on a wide open net, 4 nothing. Martin Jones gets pulled. His night ended after a, uh, I believe it was a, yes, it was a 19 save performance on 23 shots. Once again, Martin Jones pulled against the Golden Knights, Where have we heard that one before? And then one more for good measure for Tomas Nosek at 9-10 in the third period. Another shorthanded goal on the assist from Mark Stone, who I don't think we can marvel at Mark Stone's brilliance enough. The way he was so patient coming in from the right side. It was a two-on-one with him and Nosek. Eric Carlson trailing on the back check. And Stone could have passed it off at any time. He waited, he waited, he waited until Carlson gave him really enough room for, for uh, Stone to make the feed to Nosek, and he beats Dell at 9-10 of the third. Barkley Goodrow scored less, or less than five minutes later to end the shutout. But all in all, a three-point night for Tomas Nosek, his first of his NHL career, Highlights a 5-1 dominant performance at the hands of the Golden Knights. Mark Stone with a, with another uh, uh, consecutive point game, two assists on the night. Marsha Salt, Peary, Carlson, Carrier, Theodore Smith, Zikov, and McNabb all with a point piece. Marc-Andre Fleury had 34 saves in his 800th NHL game, 441st win of his career, and A stat that I found last night, this is the second time in three seasons that Marc-Andre Fleury has allowed one goal or less in the first two starts of his season. The only other time he's done that was in 2013-14, and in both of those times, he won his next start, and the next start for the Golden Knights will be against the Boston Bruins at T-Mobile Arena. The defending Eastern Conference champions will be in Vegas Taking on the Golden Knights. And that's really a game I think Vegas wants to win. Kind of see where they stack among the uh the league's upper echelon. But a, a huge performance for the Golden Knights on this night. And it was and when the final buzzer sounded, the first thing I thought of was how we closed the podcast yesterday. How much stock should we put in to two victories by the Golden Knights? over the Sharks should it happen. Now, you can say that if they won 3-2 to two, or maybe it went into overtime and Vegas won both, maybe it's not as shockingly um, incredible. But the fact that Vegas, knowing what San Jose was going to look like going into this season and knowing that they were about as pissed off as any team could possibly be, Vegas punched San Jose in the mouth early and San Jose never recovered, never recovered. It was a dominant performance from start to finish in both, in really both games. Vegas was aggressive on the forecheck. It, it paid off a great deal. You saw Vegas not allowing so many shots from from the high danger area. Pretty much Mark Andre Fleury with 34 saves last night. He really didn't need to do much. He he really just took a lot of shots from San Jose toward the from the blue line, and really there was nothing uh, there was nothing major that Flurry had to do last night. Nor did anything major on Wednesday. Vegas did a fantastic job limiting San Jose's offense, and it paid off in a huge way. So now, finally, these games are over. Vegas can now focus on playing other teams that have absolutely nothing to do. with with the Sharks. Um, They will not see the Sharks until Thanksgiving time. So we got about a month, month and a half to really recover and actually focus on other teams that the Golden Knights can be playing. And it's a very good thing because I totally get it in terms of the whole preseason aspect and the whole traveling issue and whatnot. you, You want to make sure you limit the travel as much as possible. But guys, I gotta be honest with you. I'm really looking forward to Vegas not playing any team as far as on the West Coast. Like, I I can understand. This is why I'm more fond of limiting the preseason schedule because you've seen these two teams already more than once. You really just want to get it over with. You want to just be done with it. And that's why I'm excited that another team, because apparently there are teams that play on the East Coast. There are teams that are outside of California that will play the Golden Knights. And I, for one, am happy about that. I will be happy to see the likes of Patrice Bergeron, Zdeno Chara, Tukarask. I will be very happy. Brad marsh I'll be even happy to see Brad Marchand. I will be very happy to see other players face the Golden Knights for once. It will be fantastic. Um, we do need to talk about Nick Haig and his debut last night. Um, a very eventful debut for the young lad. Uh, not Nothing in the scoring department. Uh, didn't have a shot on goal in 1357. But the young man got himself ejected. In his first NHL game, because sure, I mean, why not? Nick Haig was one of six players who received a game misconduct uh, shortly following Barclay Goodrow's shutout breaking goal. Uh, Six players were ejected for getting into a melee that lasted about five minutes Nick Haig was one of them. Uh, His defense partner, Derek England, was also one to be ejected uh, last night. Uh, Also following suit, Joe Thornton, Barclay Goodrow, Marcus Sorensen, and William Carlson. Now, I want you all to think about this and put this into perspective rather quickly. William Carlson, when he won the Lady Bing two years ago, back in year one, his total penalty minutes for the year... 12. William Carlson's penalty minutes in one night. 12. That that was probably the most amazing stat I found last night. Um uh, I don't think he's gonna win the Lady Bing this year, or at least be in the running. Now, if he doesn't commit a penalty for the entire year, then I think you have to consider William Carlson <laughs> for the Lady Bing. Goes penalty lists for 80 games. Because we know William Carlson's the most durable human on this planet, um, goes penaltyless for 10 games, and he just shocks the world and wins the Lady Bing, this is likely going to be a thing. I will tell you somebody who definitely may be in the running for the Lady Bing, and that's probably going to be Ryan Reeves. Because Ryan Reeves, dating back to Sunday's preseason game, has played three games in a row against the Sharks and has not committed a single penalty. Think about that for a second. Ryan Reeves did not commit a penalty when Evander Kane lost his mind, okay, lost his mind, did not not commit a penalty, and then goes two games against the Sharks, who definitely are pissed off about the way that they played on Wednesday, more than likely, as evidence of Friday, lost their mind, and Ryan Reeves was nowhere to be found and was not going to get involved. Ryan Reeves may win the Lady Bing, and you've heard it here first on this pod. But back to Nick Haig. He played good. He played well. He didn't stand out. There was nothing that he did anything that made you go wow that is a great play by the young defenseman and that's okay that i think that's totally acceptable when you're playing your first nhl game and you're on the defense i think it's a little bit different than when you're playing as a forward because you don't want to mess up things too much you don't want to be the one that you know commits a turnover. You don't want to be the one that loses the puck at the blue line and it springs a breakaway at the other end. Nick Hague really didn't have any of those moments and he really didn't stand out until he got into that. He got into that uh, kerfuffle. And after that, I mean, at least before that, there was nothing wrong with Nick Hague. I thought he played well. He filled in admirably in place of Nate Schmidt and he's going to get a few more opportunities in the next week or so to show what he can do and if he can, you know, slowly establish his offensive game especially on the power play. Uh I think that's going to boost a lot of confidence for him just like I think it boosted a lot of confidence for Cody Glass. Uh you know, Vegas was over 3 on the power play last night. Uh, nothing really stood out. Obviously the penalty kill as we mentioned earlier was a lot better than the power play. But I think that's uh I think you can accept you can, you can be fine with that as long as Nick Haig isn't doing you know, too much to hinder his chances, the opportunities are going to come for him to make an offensive impact. And as soon as he does that, I think that Vegas is in a very good spot to really be effective on the blue line. And again, it's, it's going to take some time. And I think Nick Hague will feel a little bit more comfortable when, when he plays his first home game on Tuesday, because he's, because unless anything drastic happens, I think Hague is going to, play on Tuesday, uh, with, with Jimmy Schultz being the, the healthy scratch on the blue line. But I think that you can live with that from Haig, especially when he's partnered with England and England was fine too. Like for the first two games, Derek England really hasn't been terrible. And this is talking about, you know, a 37, 38 year old defenseman who was on a pair or who was on a pairing with Nick Holden on Wednesday and we didn't really talk much about how Derek England played, whether good, bad, or indifferent. He was fine. He was fine. And if you can live with that as your third pairing with you know a 20-year-old on your side and you don't really see anything terrible happen, I think you can live with it. So I think Haig will get a little bit more comfortable if he gets more power play time. I, I think uh, I am here for Nick Haig versus Zdeno Char. <laughs> Has anybody uh, thought of that matchup yet? Has has anybody thought of the possibility of Nick Hague and Zedano Chara being on the ice at the same time? I I, I am here for this. I I am here for Nick Hague teeing up a shot from the blue line and Zedano Chara coming up right in front of him. I think that would be fantastic. And I think that's something that would be worthy of a book cover. If somebody who is, if anybody can get a picture of that, please, for the love of God, take a picture and send it to me. For next week, because I, I I would be here for this. Uh, that, that, that is what I've longed for, for Nick Hague making the roster, knowing that we are circling uh, October 8th on the calendar or whatever day it is, October 8th uh, for Tuesday, for Zdeno Chara and Nick Hague to be on the ice together. I, I am very much here for this. Um, but yeah, he played well, and I think his confidence can only get better going forward. And if he continues to just play a steady game, you know the offense is going to come for him. And when his offense gets going, as we saw uh, in juniors and as we saw in Chicago over the course of eighty games, uh, Nick Hague can be very lethal when he gets a chance uh, with the puck on his stick. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he t- how he uh, how he turns out. But for the young lad to do as well as he did in a steady presence really, really give him a solid B. I think that was a solid B performance last night. And if if that's a solid B with, you know, Derek Englin, I think you can live with that. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about that opponent on Tuesday, the Boston Bruins who will face the Arizona coyotes, uh, at Phoenix or whatever. Hold on. Let me, You know what? We're going to keep this in there because I need to know where exactly they are playing. Gila River Arena. I I need to know, like, where exactly are they? Are it in Phoenix? Is it in Scottsdale? It is Glendale. Holy cow. I was way off. Uh, (laughs) um, Glendale, Arizona. Gila River Arena. The Bruins are at the Coyotes tonight. And then the Bruins, I believe... Will be uh, coming straight to Vegas uh, for their game on Tuesday. Yes, they are. It will be a seven o'clock puck drop at T Mobile Arena. If the Bruins win, we get two 2 0 teams coming in, and uh, that should be a lot of fun. So, the Bruins obviously, we know how good they are, we know how stacked they are. Um, defensively, they are very good, very athletic, and of course, the top line for Boston. We know how good that top line is. Uh, Pasternak was someone who I didn't mention in that group of players. I'm I'm excited to see Pasternak, of course. Um, This is going to be a fun task to see where Vegas is at because once again, it, it heightens the, it heightens the appeal of playing against the team from another coast. But It's also facing the reigning Eastern Conference champions, and I can't stress enough how close the Bruins were because if they don't implode in Game 7, obviously the way they played in Game 6 in St. Louis, all the momentum was riding with them, and they had as great of a chance as anybody to uh, win Game 7, and the fact that they didn't and Jordan Bennington stood on his head uh, that that was an incredible performance by the Blues. So the Bruins are likely pissed off this year, as are the Golden Knights. Um, but I think what is going to be interesting to watch going into this game is the fact that the Bruins have beaten the Golden Knights the last two times, or the la- actually the last three times, I should say. So the Golden Knights have lost three in a row to Boston. Uh, twice, both games last year, uh, once in a shootout the other one uh, in Boston which was a thrubbing Malcolm Subban played that game uh, so Vegas has ha- not had a lot of luck against the Bruins in re in the recent memory but if Vegas can kind of put they're a much different team this time Obviously, I think uh, I think the glass line with Stone and Patcheretti is going to help out a lot to to neutralize uh, the uh, the Pasternak Marshand and uh, uh, why can I remember Uh, why can't I remember Bergeron? Why in the world did I forget about Patrice Bergeron? Oh my God, I am all over the place. Um, But if the Carlson line is going to do its thing when you have the glass stone patchy ready line right behind him and you can kind of neutralize Boston's top 6 i really think you're in good shape and i think that's going to be a very compelling matchup and it's going to come down to which bottom 6 i think can produce the best the the stasny the modified stasny line with puri and zekov really hasn't broken out yet but I think that's going to take a little bit of time. They're still getting acclimated. They're playing well. They're making the right plays. Stasny has been very, very solid. Um, but it's going to come down to which bottom six can produce. And so far, Vegas's bottom six has been really good. Boston is deep from top to bottom. Um, this is going to be an, this is going to be a fun game. It's going to be a, it's going to really be another early test to see where Vegas is at. And if they can come away with a win over the Bruins on Tuesday. Uh, I think I think uh, we can start saying that Vegas might be challenging to be a top team in the league. I mean, two games against the Sharks, good start. But if you beat the Bruins on your home ice, especially when the Bruins have beaten you the last couple of times, I, I think uh, I think that's something to look forward to. So we will be back on Monday. Uh, this, we just wanted to get this up there because we wanted to talk about the game and uh, the debut of Nick Hague. Um, but mostly, that is going to do it for us this week. We will be back Monday, uh, probably talking more about the Bruins. We'll probably hear from some of the players and their thoughts of finally getting past the Sharks and finally focusing on hockey. Um, but until then, we will see you guys next week. I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I will see you guys, and I will be in your subscription boxes back on Monday. Have a good one.